as my husband is always saying, you don't get anything out of the legs of a cow. So why <laughs> raise a tall cow? Um, because there's just so much more bone structure and body mass in a full-size cow. Cattle come in all sizes, and small cattle may be just right for a small or startup farm, or they can offer an efficient add-on farm enterprise. INCAT Sustainable Agriculture Specialist Tracy Mumma raises Aberdeen Angus, and INCAT Southeast Regional Office Director Margot Hale raises Belta Galloway. In this episode of Voices from the Field, Tracy and Margot discuss small cattle, ranging from miniature breeds to small-statured individuals of larger breeds. They explain the benefits of small-frame cattle and point out some of the challenges involved in raising, processing, and marketing less common breeds. Let's listen. Hi, I'm Margot Hale, MCAT Southeast Regional Director, and today I am joined by Tracy Mama, one of our MCAT Ag Specialists based in Montana. And we were with you just, it seems like a few weeks ago, talking about hair sheep. And today we're going to have a conversation about small framed cattle. Tracy, why don't you give us a little bit of, of background for those who didn't listen to our previous podcast and, and maybe share about your, just briefly, um, your background and experience raising small frame cattle before we get into our discussion. Sure, Margo. I have a ranch here with my family, a farm in Montana. It's called Shady Maple Farm. And we raise Katahdin hair sheep and Aberdeen Angus cattle, which are a small frame cow. There are miniature cows, which are the Aberdeen Angus and the mini Hereford and the mini Jersey. And then there are just smaller frame cows that are smaller breeds, the Dexter and some uh, other small breeds. And then there are just smaller cows that are the standard breeds, but just a smaller individual. So there are plenty of ways to approach raising smaller cows. Yeah. And as I said, I'm Margot Hale and my family, we have a small farm here in Northwest Arkansas and we raise primarily meat goats, but also belted Galloway cows, which are a smaller frame cattle as well. And so uh, Tracy and I, we, you know, when we were talking about something we could record a podcast on, small frame cattle came up because uh, kind of like our last podcast with hair sheep, we have a lot of information um, about sheep, but we didn't have anything about hair sheep. And we have a lot of information about cattle, but nothing specifically talking about smaller framed cattle. And we know a lot of our listeners and clientele raise these breeds of cattle and people are interested, especially folks getting started in farming, folks with smaller acreages, and they're definitely of interest. So we wanted just to share our experiences with small frame cattle and talk about some of the advantages. And of course, with any livestock enterprise, there are disadvantages as well. So we'll just talk a little bit about our experience raising small frame cattle and hopefully you'll get some good nuggets of information. All right. Um, so Tracy, you mentioned, you know, some of the breeds, some of the, there's many breeds and then smaller, smaller framed breeds. Are there any other specifics you want to give about, you know, kind of the difference between a small frame cattle and just what we think of when we say, you know, <laughs> cattle? <laughs> I think I just mentioned that the typical standard size cow or standard size beef animal is around uh, 1,100 or 1,200 pounds live weight. And 
the mini cows, I'll call them, officially by our county fair are designated as being anything below a thousand pounds. And so (laughs) there's not an official cutoff there unless you're competing in something, but that's kind of a rough idea of what would constitute a smaller frame cow. Right. I know our belted Galloways, typically they are sent to processing when they're like eight or 900 pounds. So, you know, definitely a few hundred pounds smaller than um, maybe a typical uh, beef breed. So definitely that, that smaller size. So Tracy, why don't you share, why did you decide to go with the Aberdeen Angus uh, breed? Any factors that played into that? Why you and your farm, you chose uh, the smaller breed? And then I'll, I'll share our experience. That sounds good. We chose smaller cows because we were bootstrapping our startup and we really didn't have a lot of infrastructure for cattle. And so that's a big cash outlay to get the kind of infrastructure you need for handling cattle. And we felt that we could possibly handle smaller cattle more easily with less infrastructure. And so that was really what motivated our choice at first. They were just less intimidating to us. Mm -hmm. And then also we liked the efficiency of them. As my husband is always saying, you don't get anything out of the legs of a cow. So why raise a tall cow? Um, Because there's just so much more bone structure and body mass in a full-size cow. But in a smaller cow, you're getting the yield still, and you're getting actually more efficiency off the amount of forage that's going into them. So that seemed like the thing for us. Plus we have a fairly small place and uh, it was a way for us to get in viable herd of animals without overtaxing our resource base. Yeah, our experience is pretty similar. We have a small, small land base and we, you know, we weren't going to have a huge herd of cows. And so if we had smaller animals, then, you know, theoretically we could maybe get uh, one or two more on our place as opposed to a larger breed. And for us, you know, when deciding what breed of cattle we, you know, we, we started raising dairy cross, you know, steers just for me and to use our forage. Um, but when we went to knowing we wanted to have some cows and, um, you know, kind of breeding stock, we looked around at, you know, all the cows around us and looking for smaller frame cattle. And we just really like the looks of the belted Galloways. For those of you who aren't familiar, they're the ones that look like Oreos with the the white band in the middle. You know, going back to our farm goals, it's we want something that we enjoy and we enjoy looking at. Um, And so uh, that's why we decided to go with the belted Galloway. They are a smaller breed, a heritage breed. And like you have found, we have found them to be extremely efficient and um, the, their yields, their meat yields are a really high percentage. And we've been very pleased with that. And they, you know, they're hardy animals and they, they have done really well for us on a small scale. So kind of the same, same reasoning you guys chose the Aberdeen Angus uh, is why we went with the Belted Galloways. And for anybody out there who is, you know, considering choosing livestock breeds, So much of it is just personal preference. I know a question, Tracy, you and I always get asked is, you know, what is the best breed? (laughs) And, you know, the, um, there's more variation within breeds than between breeds. And so there's excellent animals in any breed, and there's also terrible animals within any breed. So, um, a lot of it is, you know, finding the animals that fit with your farm goals. And a lot of it is just personal preference. So. 
I'm glad you made that point, Margo, because I, I thought about that earlier, that there are huge Angus and there are tiny Angus. And, right. and even within a breed, if you look for the animal that meets your goal, it doesn't really matter so much what breed it is. And in fact, some of our cows are mutts because we cross them with our dairy cow. And But as long as they're meeting our need, that's okay. They don't have to be a show cow. Right? That's right. That's right. Yeah, as long as it can can meet your need. And, you know, since I just men- mentioned getting started with livestock, um, we'll put this with the show notes, but our livestock team here, we just completed a series of three virtual workshops, helping people kind of think through the process of getting started with livestock from the soil health and grazing management and then choosing enterprises. So we'll make sure and link those because that provides some really good background information as you're getting started with livestock enterprises. And we do talk just briefly about cattle enterprises. So Tracy, you mentioned that one of the big reasons for why you guys went with a smaller breed was because you didn't have a lot of infrastructure. And so why don't we talk for a few minutes just about some of those advantages of smaller cattle and handling is one of them. So how have you guys adapted and, and what do you use for handling with your cattle? Well, the interesting thing for us, uh, we were able to use our two horse horse trailer to haul four small cows because we could <laughs> fit them in there. And so that was a big consideration for us because we don't have another way to, to get them to the processor. Mm-hmm. So uh, that made sense for us. And we have been able to work amongst them just because they're smaller and we can put them in a smaller holding pen. Um, it just fit better with, with what we had on site because we don't have a lot of cattle handling infrastructure. We don't have a squeeze chute or, mm-hmm. or any of the... <laughs> any of the things that make handling big cows safer and easier. Mm-hmm. We just had to go with what we had. But our convenience was only one of the factors that played into our selecting small cows. Another, another factor that played into that was the marketing aspect of the cows, the other side of the coin, if you will, mm-hmm. because they were something that seemed to meet the market's need. A lot of people these days don't seem to have the freezer space for an entire cow, Right. And they may not be interested in half a beef or, or even a quarter of a beef. They just are looking for a, a smaller animal. They still want a variety of cuts. And so the smaller, smaller framed animal really played into that well for us. We were able to offer them a smaller total bill, mm-hmm. but still a wide variety of cuts. And small frame animals also play into the dietary recommendations of smaller serving sizes of meat because mm-hmm. you're not getting a gigantic one pound steak. I mean, they're just a little smaller. And that is what a lot of people are looking for now with their Mm -hmm. healthy eating. So the small frame cows worked for that for us. And also the smaller frame cows are known for having a shorter muscle length. And so the meat is supposed to be more tender because they just don't have as long of a muscle fiber. Mm -hmm. So that was a factor in our decision as well. Yeah, we, you know, we've experienced some of the very same thing. Our customers definitely appreciate you know, it is a little more affordable because they're not getting as many pounds of beef, but most people, like you said, are not interested or have the capacity to handle, you know, half a beef. And so that has been good for us as well. And, you know, we have been very pleased with the meat quality of our belted Galloways. And we always actually, one kind of fun thing is we've used the same processor for a long time. 
And the first time we brought Belteds to him, he was like, oh, you know, Belted Galloways, I know they, they typically, you know, make really good meat and, you know, cut out really well. And, and they did, and we've been pleased. And finally, after a couple of years that our, our butcher said, I, I've, I'm going to get some Belted Galloways now. So we're like, if we've converted the processor to Gosh. Belted Galloways, then we're doing something right. <laughs> that is right. That is a ringing endorsement. And yeah. <laughs> We've gotten really good feedback from our processors as well, that the yield of on of our cattle is very high because mm-hmm. the smaller animals just have a good yield per weight. That is a bonus for us as well. Yes, I definitely, when I have kept track of, you know, the exact percentages and the pounds of meat we've received back from our cows, um, it definitely is a higher percentage of, you know, their final dressed weight than other breeds or other type of cattle. So that for sure is a great thing. It's a, you know, more, more money from the same animal. If you can have a, a higher percentage of meat that you're selling. And, you know, you mentioned that having the smaller animals, they produce smaller cuts of meat, which is a good thing. Definitely more in lines of what our diet should be as far as our portion size, But also it does take a little bit of education with customers, you know, for them to realize like the steaks you are going to get from this animal are going to be smaller than maybe what you buy at the grocery store or, you know, maybe what you expect, but still it is (laughs) closer to the portion size you're probably supposed to eat in the first place. Um, But there is, you know, there is kind of that education component that goes with if it's different than what people are um, used to buying in a grocery store or being served at a restaurant. And it does take a little bit of that education. That is true. And and that is true of grass-fed meat in general as well. That buyers have to know what they're getting and and be prepared for that and Mm -hmm. expect that. Yeah, absolutely. I wanted to share what we do for our handling, um, kind of the same, same thing as, as you, we didn't have extensive uh, infrastructure, some corral panels to, to gather the animals up. And uh, we did, you know, do have like a alleyway. We have a head gate. We don't have a squeeze chute, but we have a head gate. But honestly, we found that with our belted Galloways, we have had virtually zero health problems with them. And it's just like, we didn't even need the head gate anymore. We haven't, we haven't used it in years um, because our animals, they stay healthy. They do so well on uh, our pasture system. They gain well, they have stayed healthy. And so, you know, thankfully we haven't needed extensive handling facilities. Back when we were always raising, we would always buy, you know, a group of dairy cross steers and, um, and graze them and sell them, you know, several months later. And, you know, those steers always had problems. They always got pink eye or, you know, ringworm, or there was always something going on that we needed to have them, you know, in the head gate, treating them for something. But with our belteds, we have not had hardly any health problems. And so uh, that's another advantage. And, And once again, that could be for any breed. It's not, you know, not just the belteds. There's good, healthy ones in any breed, but that's what our experience has been with them. And so we've been really pleased with that, that they do so well on, on pasture, you know, forage. And one thing we noticed the first uh, winter we had our belteds and fed them a bale of hay, they cleaned up every stitch of that hay. <laughs> they were, I was like, wow, they were, you know, so efficient and not 
picky and not sorting things out and they cleaned it up. And once again, that's a cost savings for us, you know, if they're not wasting a lot of hay and are able to, you know, convert that and be efficient on pasture. So another, another thing that we have, you know, just noticed the difference and with these smaller uh, animals, a heritage breed, they just are, are real hardy and we definitely appreciate that. Although there is an aspect of grazing management to that too, which is <laughs> some has something to do with how you handle any breed that mm-hmm. um, the animals will be healthier and probably easier to manage and handle if they're rotationally grazed and are used to moving and used mm-hmm. to being contained in a small area. Yes, for sure. I mean, we know our management plays into that and how, yes, how we handle them. You know, we're out there with them all the time and our children are too. And so, but we do value that a little bit smaller size. They're very docile and calm and we don't worry about them. Like we have definitely had cows, large frame cows and small frame too, but we've definitely had cows that we worried about, (laughs) you know, it's like, we we don't want to, we don't want to handle them. Um, You know, they don't stay on our farm very long if we are worried about handling them or being out amongst them because that once again doesn't meet our farm goals we want low stress animals uh, low stress handling for the animals and for the humans so um, you mentioned at the very beginning the the frame size and the standards if you were going to be in a show and I know your family is very involved in 4-H and bears just curious do you show your Aberdeen Angus or you know have you thought about that market side you know selling stock for show or, or breeding stock we have not because as I mentioned before also our cows are a little bit mutts and so <laughs> we haven't ever shown them but there is a very active small frame miniature cattle show circuit um, Mm -hmm. where we live. And so that is a potential market. If you're raising small frame cows who are pedigreed or who are really typical of their breed, that that might be something you could look into. It seems like that's a way for more kids to get into cattle if they don't have the space or they don't have the experience. A lot of younger kids start out with a small frame Mm -hmm. feed. And so that is a a market alternative Mm -hmm. for people. And also just in general, there's a lot of backyard cattle interest. People who have, where I live in a rural area, just a few acres and they want to fatten a steer or something. Uh, The small frame cattle fit their needs very well. And so there's a good market for selling live animals to, to people who are interested in that kind of thing. Yes, I definitely see that as well. People who have just a a few acres and want a a cow or two. And of course, the smaller frame cattle, the mini cattle, of course, they are so cute. And um, (laughs) the belted Galloways and other small breeds like Scottish Highlanders, you know, they're furry and they're cute. People definitely enjoy having them and, and raising them. So we definitely, you know, recognize that some of it is just what you enjoy and um, they are fun, fun animals to have. So, you know, we've, we've talked about some of the good things and some of the reasons why we personally have smaller frame cattle, but like any enterprise, we know it's not all rainbows and butterflies, right? <laughs> um, there have, there have to be some disadvantages Um, or or challenges, maybe that it's not necessarily disadvantaged, but definitely challenges to raising smaller frame cattle or raising things that are outside the the norm, if you will. So Tracy, what have you found are are some of those challenges or, or disadvantages? 
Well, one of them for us has been the processors around here charge a flat rate fee, a flat rate kill fee and a flat rate disposal fee. So if you're paying any kind of flat rate fee on your processing, it's driving your price per pound much higher on a small framed animal because mm -hmm. that kill fee is going to apply whether you're getting 700 pounds of meat or whether you're getting 300 pounds of meat, mm -hmm. it's the same fee. So to spread that across the, the cost of the animal is making your price per pound higher. Yeah. And that, believe me, is definitely something that the customers notice. <laughs> um, <laughs> And sometimes you're able to convince them that it's a higher quality meat or it's, you know, a special breed and they, they want to pay that premium. But mm -hmm. other times it's a definite marketing disadvantage to have that higher price. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. And then there's also just a practical nature of this is that handling equipment at the processor is well, handling equipment at the farm too, is built for the bigger frame cows. It's built mm -hmm. for a standard size cow. And so frequently you'll have an animal walking under something because they're <laughs> just shorter in stature and can go right out of something that's meant to contain them. Mm -hmm. And then the processing equipment as well, the processors, spreader bars and hooks and everything is sized for a, a larger carcass than we have. And it presents a challenge sometimes at the processor as well. Mm -hmm. So they may be less happy to deal with your cattle, less excited about them coming in. It may be a challenge because of that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and talking about handling equipment, you know, even at the farm, I think for us, because we, you know, we raise goats and belted, so smaller frame cattle. So we have built and set up our handling, you know, our handling facilities have to handle goats. And so if they can handle goats, it, it, it works for our smaller frame cattle too, because all of those, you know, making our gaps smaller and uh, lower to the ground to keep our goats in. So it helps with um, the smaller animals. Yeah. Even with our standard head gate, you know, sometimes it's like, it's too big. The opening is still right, too big right. for something small. So it definitely um, has some challenges and that's where you have to get creative and, you know, create something that works for you and for, for the animals that you do have. But for us, you know, we found, okay, if it works for the goats, it, you know, it works for our, our belteds as well. Some of those newborn belted calves are the same or smaller than our goats, you know, I mean, they come right, out right. real small, you know, which in, in some ways is good and you can easily handle them, but it also provides some challenges as well. One other thing I've, I've noticed, or I know, is because these animals are typically outside of the norm or what, you know, a lot of people raise or are used to, or what the commodity market is used to, that puts us at a disadvantage in some ways. If we have an animal that, you know, we're not going to butcher, or it's not going to be good breeding stock, and we need to cull for some reason, if we send them to the sale barn, they automatically are going to get a lower price because they're not black. <laughs> you know, in our area, black cattle is what people want. And so if it's not black cattle or not, you know, you can't tell it's like a Hereford or a Charlet or another, you know, kind of standard breed, it's going to be dinged. And so, you know, we definitely, definitely know that that is a disadvantage in some ways. Of course, in some ways, especially the belted, they are a novelty. And so people are interested. And so in some ways you can get a higher price if you're, you know, selling off the farm because it's hard to find them. They're not as readily available as, as other cattle. So yeah, if you're direct marketing, you have a, a good option to sell small cows, but if for some reason you can't direct market, if 
if you have to sell off suddenly because you have a drought or a hay shortage or a health problem or something, then then you do face a, a deduction, a huge deduction if you're selling at the sale barn or trying to ship out into the commodity market. It just it just doesn't work as well. Mm-hmm. And direct marketing can bring you a lot more of a premium, but it is also a lot more work. And so that's something that you have to be prepared for if you're going to rely on direct marketing. Right, right. Another thing to consider is if you are if you are interested in some of these smaller breeds, finding local stock, you know, to start your farm can be a challenge. We always recommend when you're buying livestock, buy directly from a farm and buy animals that are raised in the way that you're going to raise them in the climate that you are in, you know, ideally the same forages that you have on your farm. And so that means you need to find somebody fairly local to you in order to buy these animals. And so since they're not as common, it it can be challenging. We're raising our own replacement heifers, but when, when we have to get a new bull, which we do from time to time, if we're raising our own replacements, you know, it's been a little bit of a challenge. We've definitely had to drive some distance to find a, a belted bull when we need it. So definitely be aware of that, finding that local stock. It might come down to, you might choose a breed based on what you can find locally and and have stock readily available. And that is a little bit of how we ended up with mutt cows is that we could (laughs) not find a bull one time and had to cross in a mini Hereford into our, into our stock just to Mm -hmm. get the size that we needed. So, Mm -hmm. right. I mean, that's another really good point, Tracy, of with the smaller frame cattle, you do have to be really careful with your breeding. You know, you have to keep those birth weights lower and not overwhelm your cows if you, you know, use a standard size bull. So finding those breeding animals can be a challenge, but it's definitely something you've got to pay attention to if you have smaller animals. Okay. We've talked a lot about advantages. Any other, any other challenges that you have found with your smaller frame cattle? Not really. On the whole, we're, we're very happy with how they've performed for us and what they've done for us. Uh, we introduced cattle to our operation primarily because the sheep that we had were raising were not getting enough trampling of the forage to keep a good cover on the ground because sheep are just lighter weight. And so cattle added into our forage management goals. And that was part of the reason that we got them in the first place. And they've helped us do that. They've helped us manage our pasture in a way that we see going forward into the future as positive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, I mean, we value our cows so much as a part of our farm and, you know, the whole system, not only do we get to um, eat wonderful grass-raised beef of our own and get to sell that and share that with our friends and community, but they, they are enjoyable and they fit well with our goats and poultry and pigs and, you know, all the other things we have going on our farm. So, you know, we definitely value them as a part of our whole farm. The small frame cows is what has worked for us and what has worked for you. But we recognize that they don't meet everybody's farm goals. And so go back. If you're thinking about adding cattle, really um, think about what are your farm goals? You know, what are the resources you have, whether that be your land base, your forage base, your time, um, your infrastructure, all of those things. And that can help you decide what, you know, what type of livestock enterprise and what breed, um, whether it be a, a standard breed or a smaller breed or, uh, you know, a mutt, a combination of, of both, whatever it may be. And you really have to evaluate all of those components to make a good decision for your, your farm and for your family. I think another thing you need to evaluate is your market 
as well. Mm -hmm. That's the other, the other piece that you cannot forget to evaluate is, are you ready to do the education of your buyer? Are you ready to find a processor who will handle your small frame cows? Mm -hmm. are, are you ready for those steps? Because that is a key consideration in an enterprise as well. Not just, can you produce it, but can you sell it and keep it viable? Yes, very important. Uh, we have to be able to sell it. You're, you are absolutely right, Tracy. It doesn't matter if we can grow it if we don't have a market for it. So um, definitely consider that. And with all of these factors that we've talked about today, think about before you get started. And as always, we recommend starting small, starting with just a few animals to learn. And you can always grow and um, really starting with healthy animals. That is so important. So no matter what, no matter what level, livestock enterprise and no matter what breed, start with healthy animals and pay attention to your grazing management. And those things will go a long way for having healthy, happy uh, cattle on your farm. Uh, I guess I would just wrap up by saying, if this sounds like something of interest to you, there are plenty of resources available from ATRA about managing your pastures, about starting a new enterprise, about starting with livestock and managing your livestock's health, and even about organic certification, if that's something you want to consider. And we will provide some links to those resources, or you're always able to visit www.atra.ncat.org and find those online. Yes, absolutely. And also remember, we're here to help answer your questions as well. So you can give us a call or visit our website, send us an email and our specialists. We have several specialists who have experience raising cattle. And then Tracy and I, obviously with raising smaller framed cattle. So we're happy to help answer your questions and point you in the right direction. So thank you for um, talking with me again today, Tracy. It's always fun to have our conversations and re record them for others to hear. So thank you so much. Thanks, Margo. That's it for this episode. Thanks for listening. Additional information about this episode and related resources can be found at atra.incat.org. Don't miss an episode. Subscribe to Voices from the Field wherever you get your podcasts. I'm your host, Rich Myers. ATRA, Voices from the Field, is produced by the National Center for Appropriate Technology, headquartered in Butte, Montana. It's supported by the USDA Rural Business Cooperative Service as part of NCAT's ATRA Sustainable Agriculture Program. Any opinions, findings, conclusions, or recommendations expressed in this recording are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect the views of the USDA or NCAT. We'll catch you again next week, and until then, keep on farming.